Let's go ahead and get into the text. Um, Join me in Matthew 9. Uh, If you don't have your Bible, don't worry. We built this church for people who don't go to church. We also built this church for people who do. But um, uh, but we, we, wherever you are in your faith journey, uh, there's no judgment here. So we'll have the verses on the screen for you. And uh, yeah, let's read. Here it is. It says, uh, verse 9. I'm looking at my Bible. I want to be old school. I don't want to depend on the screen. Here it is. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me. And be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Matthew got up and followed him. Later, Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. (laughs) Um, But when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with such scum? Today, I want to bring a message entitled, The Seed of Potential. The Seed of Potential. Yeah, um, so I I remember many, many years ago, he's since passed away, but um, my father, he had a a friend, and um, his name was Mr. Johnny, and this friend... um, during the latter part of his life, I think he was in his 60s at this point, he had a very traumatic accident. He was stepping out of the shower one evening, and unbeknownst to him, his wife had, because, you know, back in the, just a very kind of old school type of accessory. And so um, I don't know if you guys remember, if you're old enough to, but the the plastic, um, what do you call them? The plastic mats, yeah. And you can flip it upside down, and it's spiky. Y'all remember that? Okay, okay. I don't feel weird. And so um, he he stepped out of the the shower, and his wife had put the plastic mat upside down. Now I'm starting to think about life insurance. But... And so he, he just, he didn't know it. He, he didn't know. He, he stepped out, and, and I guess he made a step in the wrong direction. She put it off in the corner somewhere, but I guess he made a step in the wrong direction. And when he stepped on it, you know, it caused him to kind of jump up, but it caused his other foot to slip. And so he, he falls, and he hurts his back real, real bad, very, very bad, and to the point where he never really recovered, and he ended up in a nursing home. And so I remember visiting Mr. Johnny, and, um, you know, everyone was on board, the doctors, the nurses, the therapists, um, even my dad, he would, he would come, we would walk into his room and say, Johnny, how's it going, man? How's it going? It's going good, going good, Herb, going good. And uh, he, he'd always ask him every time we go visit him, um, have, you, have you exercised today? Have you walked today? Yeah, Herb, I'm trying. I don't want to walk. Nurse, nurse, bring me my food. Nurse. Her man, they're killing me in here. They ain't feeding me. I've had a few accidents. They're killing me in here. You got to do something. So we, we leave, and, and we'll go back another week or two, and, and my dad gone gone into the room, and he'll, hey, hey, Johnny, have you, have you walked today? Everybody ain't trying to walk. I don't want to walk. I don't want to walk. I don't want to walk. And so... Like I said, I remember it was probably the last 12 years of his life, Mr. Johnny spent his last days mostly sitting. 
he, he, would, never, he would never get up and try to, try to do something. <laughs> He'd stay in that seat. He'd stay in that seat, and the more he stayed in that seat, the more weaker he became. And um, he had someone pushing him, my father. He had someone pushing him. Hey, man, get, get up. Let, let's exercise. Let's do this. No, I just want to stay in the seat. Sitting, if you're taking notes, is defined as sitting is to be in a position in which one's weight is supported by their buttocks, rather their feet, rather than their feet. Sitting is to be in a position where one's weight is supported by your butt rather than one's feet. And um, th- this, this blew my mind as I was preparing for this message. Research shows that prolonged sitting increases your chances of cancer, type 2 diabetes, cardiovascular disease, and back pain. One of the most riveting facts that I found is, is that sitting for prolonged seasons throughout your life has the ability or the capacity to cut your life by eight years. Sitting, sitting, just sitting. And um, James Levine, he's a professor of medicine currently at the Mayo Clinic. And I, I have a quote that should go up behind me. He says this, he says, sitting is more dangerous than smoking, kills more people than HIV, and is more treacherous than parachuting. We are sitting ourselves to death. The chair is out to kill us. Sitting. And I get it. Sitting is a major part of our daily lives. But I think, I think as we look at the text, I think what God is attempting to say to us this morning is that many people have been spiritually sitting on God-given potential. And so sitting may be physically cutting off eight years of our lives, but what is it doing spiritually? What is it doing to our God-given potential? There, there, there's, there's a potential, I believe, for your life for you to have greater physical health. The, the potential is there. It may not be there, but you, you may not be where you want to be, but the potential is there. You have the potential to get a higher education. You got the, the potential is there. God has given us the brain. The most powerful structure in the universe is the human brain. He's given you the, the potential to do it. He's given you the, the potential to make a difference. There is the potential for your future to be greater than your The potential is there. For you to be greater tomorrow than you've ever been, Lance, in your yesterdays. The, the potential is there. I love it because um, at the end of every January, we do our 21-day fast here at Highlight Church. And then uh, we head on down to Orlando, Florida. And uh, the weather's a couple things about traveling um, during the, the kind of off winter months. Uh, no one's in the airport. The lines at the theme parks are short. And the weather, if you're going to Florida, is phenomenal. So while we're, while we're down in Florida last year, we're like, ha, 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 they're stuck in 14-degree weather. Ha, ha, ha. We're just chilling <laughs> in our hotels. You know, it was like 60 outside. Ha, ha, ha. Five minutes to the Harry Potter ride. You know, it was, it was great. But you should try to travel during that time of the year. We take our annual trip, and, and every time I walk into Disney, I'm just, no, forget walking in. Every time you pull into park, 
you know, because you see Mickey signs and you see Daffy and you see Donald and you see, you know, you got to go around and you got to park and you see the trolleys taking people from their car to the park. And it's like just my mind is like the closer you get to the gate. And I just think, man, what if Walt would have set on potential? Business failure after business failure after business failure. One man had the audacity to, one of his bosses had the audacity to tell Walt that you lack imagination and good ideas. And just you walk into the gate, look at all the people. Oh my God, I can't wait to get a t shirt. I can't wait to get some cotton candy. I can't wait. I'm more excited than my kids are. Daddy, you're excited? Yeah, I'm excited. Trying to hide it. Oh man, I'm stoked on the inside. I'm just stoked. Disney. Hey, have you ever, well, not even just Disney, but Universal, have you ever had butter beer? Harry Potter? It's not real beer. Don't look at me. Don't look at me. Don't come in here with your church face. Butter beer. It's like cream soda. Phenomenal. But I think, what if Walt? would have set on that potential. Walt Disney once said this. He says, the way to get started <laughs> is to quit talking and begin doing. And I believe that Jesus had potential. And not only did Jesus have potential, but he fulfilled every ounce of his God-given potential. And he also came so that you would fulfill every ounce of your God-given potential. And this is what we're going to define potential as as we head into the text, because I'm going to give us a few thoughts, and then we're going to go ahead and go home. Potential, we're going to define it as this today. Potential is, here it is, what could be. What could be? What, what, what could be? What, what could your life be? If, if you continue to trust God and hold on to him, what, what could it be? And all I know is, is that the Bible says that Jesus was walking by and he saw Matthew sitting. He saw him sitting. So I'm going to offer us a few thoughts about the seed of potential. Then I'm going to give us three more thoughts to take away. And I believe that this is going to be a blessing and, and I believe it's going to bear fruit in your life. Are we ready? First thought is this, is that potential exists for more, not less. Potential exists for more, not less. The Bible says that Jesus saw Matthew sitting at the text collector's booth. To me, this represents routine. We don't know how long Matthew was a tax collector. We don't know where he was in his tenure. We don't know the kind of authority that he had. But what we do know is that Jesus found him in a routine place. We know that Matthew would have woke up, he would have ate breakfast, he would have left his family, he would have taken a journey to work, and he would have reported to his booth. And what he would have done was dealt with people and paperwork all day. He would have woke up, he would have ate breakfast, he would have said bye to his family, and he would have reported to his booth, and he would have dealt with people and paper all day. He would have woke up, he would have ate breakfast, he would have said bye to his family. He would have taken his journey to work. He would have reported to his booth. 
and he would have dealt with people and paper all day. He would have woke up. He would have ate breakfast. He would have got ready. He would have said bye to his family. He would have took his journey to work. He would have reported to his booth and dealt with people and paper all day. He would have woke up. He would have ate breakfast. He would have went to work. He would have got annoyed with people and paper all day. He would have woke up. He would have went to work. I skipped a part. He would have ate breakfast. You can't skip a part because it's what you do every day. He would have ate breakfast. He would have said bye to his family. He would have journeyed to work. He would have came to work and got annoyed by people and paper all day. And we don't know how many years he was sitting on potential. We don't know how many years he was sitting on what could be. We just really don't know how many years. But we know what? Come on now. He would have got up. He would have ate breakfast. He would have got ready. He would have kissed his family. He would have went to work. He would have reported to his booth. And he would have been annoyed with people and paper all day. Has it set in yet? Potential. But, but the God of the universe, because the Bible says that um, um, all, of, all of God dwelt in Christ. But Jesus didn't consider himself equal to God. But he took the position of a servant. So God is walking by. And he recognizes something or someone that he's created that is not fulfilling its potential. All right. So God is walking by. And what God knows is that he would have woke up. He would have ate breakfast. He would have sat by. He would have kissed his family. He would have took his journey to work. He would have reported to his desk. He would have been annoyed by people and paperwork all day. And God would have said, this is a person that is not fulfilling their potential. I gave them potential for more, not for less. And the more we get caught in routine, the less of our potential that we're fulfilling. I remember there was a season where we, were, we transitioned out of our, out of our old church because God had called us out, and it was great, God, God, but God said, okay, it's time, and we sat down and talked to our pastor, and, and he released us, they blessed us, and said, all right, we're, we're going to take 2015 as the year of preparation. That's, that's what we called it, 2015, the year of preparation. At this point, um, we didn't have, uh, uh, there were three people, <laughs> there were three people. And so I went from uh, ministry to back to the hospital, working from uh, 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. So I had to report to work. Okay, let me do this this way. (laughs) I had to get up at 4.30 p.m. with a newborn who didn't sleep all night and all day because you worked all day. So I had to get up at 4 p.m., get ready for work, report to work at 6.30 p.m., get off of work by 7.30, 8 a.m., be at a baseball game by 10, 11 a.m. and just be a zombie. And that was, that was literally the routine, or getting them ready for school. Just That could have been the, the routine. That could have been the thing. But what God told me is that this is your year of preparation for what is to come. And so what I did, instead of getting ready for work and showing up for 6.30 to clock in, is I said, okay, all of my patients are good. Doctors have put in their orders. I may have two or three patients coming to their rooms. I got their, 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 uh, their folders or charts set up and all this. Good. I have from 9 p.m. to 3 a.m., because that's when I'm going to get sleepy, to work. 
And so what I did during that time was instead of falling into the routine of, of talking, to supervi- talking to my supervisors and my coworkers and, and, and just kind of taking naps and leaving the floor and going to hang out with this friend on 6A, this friend on 2B, this friend on 3C, and talking about nothing, I sat at my desk and I said, God, you said that this is the year of preparation. And I'm not going to sit on potential. So what did we do? For six hours... Three days a week for an entire year, I prepared. I put Highlight Church to paper. You need to write this down. Whatever you put to paper is potential for the future. It hasn't happened yet. But, but the Bible is very, very, very clear, especially Habakkuk 2. You should write the vision. You should write it down. If God has put something on your heart, you ought to write it down. Mercy was telling me the other day that there are things that God had put on her heart two, three years ago that he's currently fulfilling right now in her life. I said, baby girl, keep on writing because it's unfulfilled potential. But as long as you get up out of the seat, as long as you put the work in, as long as you're faithful, as long as you trust, as long as you push forward, that thing will be fulfilled. And so I look around, and even at team night last night, seeing all the stuff that we had reported, 200 salvations and 70 baptisms and and leadership development, all these different things. Paris, I talked a lot about you last night. A lot. Allow me to share about Paris' fulfilled potential. There's a season in your life where you didn't even know if you were were a disciple of Jesus, right or wrong. You didn't know if you were a follower. You didn't know. And so we kind of helped you through that season. Understand, girl, you good, because church folk crazy, right? And um, so, so Paris has since become a, a light group leader. You ought to join a light group. Come on, give it up for Paris. She's a light group leader. Um, and so she has since become a light group leader. <laughs> and in groups, it is our heart that you would connect with great people and grow in your faith midweek, throughout the week, and it's an amazing thing. This is great, but you grow in groups. And so last semester, um, I asked her, because we have light group sign-ups and all that, I said, how many people signed up for your, your light group um, um, last semester? And she said, with that great smile. No, no, it wasn't a smile yet. I'm sorry, I'm skipping parts. She said, uh, two. Two people signed up for my group. I said, okay. I said, how many people consistently showed up last semester to your group? One one person. There's this teaching that Jesus gives in Matthew 25, and he teaches about um, how how a man, Jesus always taught in stories. This is why I highlight you're going to always hear a lot of stories. You're going to think it's not biblical, but it is, okay? I know where I'm going, okay? So he taught in stories. He said, um, uh, a man gave uh, one bag of silver to one man, two bags of silver, five bags of silver. This man that Jesus was talking about in the story represents God, and it says that he gave them this bag, these bags of silver, and he left. This tells us something. This tells us that God will give us something small in one season just to see what we're going to do with it. And what he does is he backs out. He backs out. And, and Jesus says that this man came back. So this tells me one thing in Matthew 25 is that God backs out 
he's still doing the normal stuff, waking you up, giving you strength, blessing your life, opening doors. He's still doing all that, but he's backing out of, of that area. He gave you something to manage. He gave you something to multiply, to steward. He's backed out, and then the Bible says that over the course of time, he came back. This tells me that we never know when the season of blessing is going to come. And so he backed out, and he came back. And he gave the man who had two bags of silver two more because he was faithful with the little. He gave the man who had five bags of silver five more because he was faithful with the little. And the man who had one bag of silver, he buried it because he misinterpreted the heart of God for him. And so the man said, I'm going to take the one bag of silver you had and I'm going to give it to this other person. And so I was asking Paris, I said, um, okay, so one person uh, showed up consistently. You met with that person. You shepherded that person. You poured into that person. I said, Paris, how many people signed up for your group this semester? And then that smile came. Eight. I said, Paris, how many people showed up last week? Twelve. I said, Paris, you know how many disciples Jesus had? Twelve. God, God was, was working on that, that potential. She went from a season of not even thinking she was a follower because of church people to shepherding one soul for like four months. Now God is trusting her with eight to twelve people. Because she was intent, come on, don't miss me. Because she was intentional. So Jesus is walking by and he's saying, hmm, you may be routine, but one thing I love about you, Matthew, is that you're faithful in the routine. So there's great potential for there to be more for your life, greater for your life, greater. Everything has potential. Everything bad, watch this, has the potential to be good. Everything, every problem has, watch this, the potential to be solved. Every bad, unhealthy relationship has the potential to be healthy. Everything has potential, and potential is given for more, not for less. For more, not for less. When, when I look, sometimes I, I get into a zone when I'm preaching in this room, and I'm not looking at anyone. I'm looking at the pipe and drape, but guess what? I don't see pipe and drape. I see seats that are going up. So if you ever see me do that, it's because I'm seeing seats that are going up and I'm seeing people fill those seats. Why? Because even this room has the potential to touch the world. I know we're in Gaithersburg, but we have the potential to affect the world for the glory of God. Everything has potential. So Jesus saw him sitting and he said, I, did, I created him for more than that. And so my second point is, is this. Is don't sit on untapped potential. Jesus said, follow me and be my disciple. So Matthew got up. Matthew got up. And being a disciple entailed, go ahead and write this down. It's a, that's a church word, right? Like, I'm, I'm, yeah, I don't want to get into all that. That's like team night culture, leadership building stuff. Put it like this discipleship is a, is a biblical word. It is a thing. But I want, I want to sum up discipleship, three L's for you. Go ahead and write this down. Discipleship is living together, 
learning together, leading together. So when Jesus was calling Matthew to follow him, watch this. He wasn't calling Matthew to just say, all right, I'm going to teach and you listen. I'm going to teach, you sit down and listen. He was calling Matthew to action. Because when Jesus came, Jesus came to heal. He came to teach. He came to serve. He came to wake up early, go to bed late some nights. He came to change the world. He came to fulfill all of his God-given potential. He even told the disciples at one point, because they had done a lot of work in one day, and they were doing a lot of ministry, and they're like, man, we're hungry and we're tired. And, 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 and so Jesus was like, I got to keep moving. I got to keep moving. Why are y'all tired? I got to keep moving. We got we to keep moving. They're like, Jesus, we, we just go chill right here in the city. Jesus like, no, 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 no. And, and, and the Bible says that they were thinking, has he gotten some lunch? What did he eat? And, and he knew their thoughts. He says that my food is to do the will of God. So he says, I'm not focused on this, this physical stuff. I, I, I got some untapped potential that I have to fulfill. And so when he told Matthew to get up and follow me, he wasn't calling him to a classroom. All right, let me get, let me get into this. He wasn't, he wasn't calling him to show up on Sunday and just sit. He, he wasn't calling him to just light group and just sit and be encouraged. He was calling him to the work. He, he was calling him to get up. He was saying, Matthew, you're going to retire this thing because you're created for way more than that. I'm calling you to the work. He was saying, I'm not going to have you sit on untapped potential. I love this brother here, Les Brown. Uh, This is a quote. It says that he said this. He says, the graveyard is the richest place on earth because it is here that you will find all the hopes and dreams that were never fulfilled. The books that were never written, the songs that were never sung the inventions that were never shared, the cures that were never discovered, all because someone was too afraid to take that first step, keep with the problem, or determined to carry out their dream. What is he saying? He's saying the graveyard is the richest place in the world because it's filled with people who've sat on untapped potential all of their lives. Untapped potential. I was also doing some more research, and this, 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 there's research out there that confirms that The American church, those who profess to be followers of Jesus, if you're not, you can zone in, you can take a nap, we'll see you in 10 minutes. But if you're a Christian, really lean into this one right here. That the American church, not the church worldwide, not the global church, just America, that the American church has the financial capacity, if every believer would tithe, that that's the biblical principle of 10%. So when you get paid, 10% belongs to God. If every American believer would tithe every paycheck consistently and frequently, the research confirms that the American church, if we would all come together, could eradicate world hunger. But, But the body of Christ, the bride of Christ, is sitting on untapped potential. And, and so then I'm like, man, this is crazy. So I'm, I'm getting nosy. I'm digging into, you know, highlight. Like, okay, <laughs> where are we at? You know, there's, there's the stat out there that 25% of Christians give consistently. 
Okay, cool. All right, you know, we, we teach the tithe, and every December we teach two or three times throughout the year we'll teach physical freedom and what God's word has to say about blessing your life in that area. All right, I know we, we're knocking 25% out the park. So I had our finance team get back to me and run some reports. I'll probably bring this back up in December as well. But. And um, I don't know, I was, I was kind of struck to see that out of the people who call Highlight Home, who have been coming here more than four or five times, say within the past six months, I, I, I think that's pretty consistent given that as Americans we come to church once every three weeks. So if you've come five or six times in the past six months, you may call Highlight Home. You're being fed here. You're being encouraged. I was startled to see that 14% of us are carrying this church financially. It's just untapped potential. And, and I'm wondering, like, man, we've, we've been able to do this, you know, um, we, we've given so much to family services, Shady Grove Middle School. Uh, God has really given us influence in that area. We've served a lot. We've made a lot of difference. But the question becomes, man, how much more could we do if, if we trusted God? And, and then I was even thinking about, like, the untapped potential, us that, that, that come in and we just sit and we're, we're, we hear it all the time, sign up for Super Steps, get involved, get in a group, get in a group. And then I, I went through it again, and I saw that um, 25% of us actually serve and volunteer. And as a pastor, that breaks my heart because I know that part of the growth you're looking for in your walk with Jesus is directly attached to your application to what you learn. When, when you get hired for a job, it, it doesn't matter your PhD, master's, it does not matter. That looks good on paper, but this is a principle of life. You get your paycheck based upon your application. The, the, the work, not, not what you know, but what you put. So the principle is this, is that the reward and the growth comes after you do the work. So Jesus came to Matthew and he said, get up and follow me. You're going to be doing the work. You're going, to be, you're going to be doing the work. You're going to be smiling and serving and creating a place where the spirit of God can move, where healing can take place. God, God wants to use you in a greater way. And so he's saying you got to stop just waking up, kissing your family goodbye, going to school, going to work, showing up at the tax collector's booth, being annoyed with what? People and paperwork all day. There's so much more on the inside of you than that. And if you just, if we just get up together, if we just agree together, if we create something for the glory of God together, the things that God would do in our lives and in this city and in this nation, he, he wants to do a work through us. And I love it. And it's that the first century church, so Christ went to the cross. He got up on the third day. He spent about a month and a half on earth. And then he ascended into heaven. We're waiting on him to come back. I can't wait to see the Lord. But that first century church was a church that, that, that tapped into potential. Acts chapter 2, 41 through 47 says this. It's the message translation. Um, it says this. That day... Yep, that day about 3,000 took him at his word and were baptized and were signed up. 
They committed themselves to the teachings of the apostle, to life together, common, the common meal and the prayers. Everyone around was in awe. All those wonder signs done through the apostles. And all the believers lived in wonderful harmony, holding everything in common. Watch this. They sold what, whatever they owned and pulled their resources so that each person's need was met. They followed a daily discipline of worship in the temple, followed by meals at home. Every meal, a celebration, exuberant, joyful. As they praised God, people in general liked what they saw. Every day, their numbers grew as God added those who were saved. The early church didn't sit on untapped potential. They fulfilled every ounce of potential. that Everyone in the room was involved. For them, it wasn't, well, we, did, we haven't been here in two months. Well, we'll, we'll come. No, it was, no, we're getting involved. Because if we all got involved, man, the things that God would do. If we all got involved, and, and this is what will happen. This is what will happen when you begin to get up out of the seed of potential. It, 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 it will begin to pour into the rest of your life. It will begin to pour into your Monday. It will begin to pour into your Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. But don't sit on untapped potential. My third uh, point of encouragement is this. Where people see our poverty, God sees our potential. Where people see our poverty, the religious leaders ask, why does your teacher eat with such scum? To be a tax collector under Roman authority meant that you were hated by your fellow Jews. You're no better than a murderer, a prostitute. You were deemed as a sinner. And so every day, watch this, stick with me, we're almost done. Matthew had to bear the brunt of the labels that people put on him. He had to bear the brunt of those labels. And I believe that the reason we only see poverty and we don't see potential is because we bear the brunt of the labels that a lot of people have placed on us or the negligence of encouragement. For some of us, we're not fulfilling our potential because no one has ever spoken into our potential. So we have to bear the brunt of people not acknowledging what God has put on the inside of us. And so we always, thanks Chris, we always remain in the seat of unfulfilled potential. And so the religious leaders say, why does he eat with such scum? What do you mean, the, the broken people? The people that have slept around, the people that still drink, still smoke, still, still do? Yeah, yeah, why, why does he eat with such scum? Because there's God-given potential in each of them. That's why he does. Because they, 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 they understand their brokenness. They understand their need to be humble. They understand their need for God. And this is the great part about this. You need to go ahead and write this down because this is what Jesus saw in Matthew. The name Matthew in the Hebrew means gift of God, not scum of the earth. So when Jesus walked by and he called Matthew, he was not calling scum. He was calling someone of great value. So maybe not today, maybe in the morning, maybe Tuesday, whatever. As Jesus calls you, understand this. He's not calling scum. He's calling someone of great value. 
Someone who's going to change the world. Someone who has power. Someone who has influence. Someone that he loves. Someone who's his child. He's calling someone of great value, not scum. The gift of God. The gift of God. You are the gift of God. Mercy, go ahead and close me out to the world. Three quick takeaways real quick. Go ahead and jot these down. Number one, number one, the seed of potential. Here it is, number one. It's time to take care of business. You have some business that you need to take care of in your life. I don't know if it's a, a discussion that you have to have with a family member. I don't know if it's God's calling you to read your word, to fast, to pray. I, I don't know. I don't know if it's some financial, but you know you have some kind of business to take care of. Matthew, Matthew had something to take care of. And Jesus said, it's time to stop. Don't just allow that to sit on your desk anymore. Don't, don't just sit on it. It's time to get up and take care of it. Number two. I want to encourage you to get in the game. Get in the game. God was calling Matthew to get in the game. And when I say that, I I do mean, I do mean, I'm going to shoot straight here. No more analogies. I'm going to shoot straight. You need to begin serving at your local church. You need to begin serving. That's where the growth and the miracle is going to occur, in the discomfort. And it doesn't have to be here, but find a church that has vision, they're healthy, and they're going somewhere and begin to serve in that place. Get out of the seat. I I believe this. I believe if Jesus stepped in this room right now, I I believe it. I'd be guilty of it too. I believe that we'd have to teach him the way we do church. I believe he'd be confused by, y'all, so explain that to me again. (laughs) Y'all come on Sunday. You mess with these devices all week. And you might or you might not come back for a couple Sundays. Then you come and you do, what is, I believe we have to explain that to him. But I think what would be very clear to him is when he sees his entire church here, setting up, tearing down, blessing other people, meeting like the first century church, midweeks and groups for prayer, for the word of God, for meals. And, and, and his spirit is able to freely move in that when we get out of the seat. So my encouragement to you is today, sign up for Super Steps. Don't be afraid. We don't bite. But become a part of the team. Get in the game, Matthew. And then the third thing is this. Watch your life go to a new level. Get out of the seat. Take care of your business. Get in the game. And watch in the next six months will your life be different. And let me put it to you like this. No hit on anyone who works in the hospital. But I'll tell you personally for me, I'm so glad that I'm not stuck in those scrubs anymore. We need people in the hospital. But, but what I'm saying is personally, had I just sat there and said, well, this is it. I was telling them last night at team night that we're going to push services back. Don't worry about it. 
that my friend invited me to church and I turned him down six times before I finally said yes. Little did I know that that one invite would change the next 13 years of my life. It was one invite to get involved. My first position in the church was sweeper and usher for four years. Sweeper and usher. Never could I have imagined. And everyone's not called to pastor. You have your own calling, but God wants to bless that. But never could I have imagined where my life is today. Get out of the seat. And let's grow for real, for real, for real. Let's give the word of God a hand clap of praise. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. All right, Father, we love you. Let's pray. We honor you. We give you all the glory. God, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for words like this, God, that convict us, that draw us closer to you. God, I pray that you would give us the boldness and the courage to take that next step in our faith journey. Now, with every head bowed, maybe you don't know Christ. I want to share the good news of Jesus with you. Jesus Christ, born of a virgin, sinless. He lived and he died for our sins. He was murdered, crucified. His blood was shed for the forgiveness of our sins put in a tomb, and on the third day, he rose. If you don't know Christ today and you say, I I want him in my heart, I want to fulfill my God-given potential, or if you're coming back to Jesus, I want you to pray this prayer along with us. Church, let's pray it nice and loud. Say, Father God, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Fill my heart with your spirit. I turn from my past, and I turn to you. I love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, church, let's celebrate. I love you guys so much. Have an amazing week.